Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room where we talk all things comics and movies. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Sanjay. <laughs> Alright man, so we're back. A little bit longer of a hiatus than we had originally planned. Yeah, but you know, we just wanted people to enjoy the holidays, have a good New Year's, and we welcome everyone back. Hopefully your 2015 was everything you thought it would be. You accomplished all your nerd dreams and 2016 is already shaping up to be even bigger and badder than 2015. Before we get there, we're going to take you through our year in review, 2015 in review, the Nerd Room Awards. The Nerdsies, the first <laughs> annual. Unfortunately, we asked Steve Carell to host, but he wasn't available, so you're stuck with us. So, how are your holidays? What'd you get? Anything cool? Of course, of course. Got some good movies, um, some good comics. It was a very good geek holiday. How about yourself? Same thing. I got a lot of stuff from my nerd room downstairs. I got some Funko Pops. I got some nice. 3th Recorder Ridge action figures. I got some kind of, yeah, my nerd room stuff from uh, The Geek. So basically the same holidays I've had for the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, why mess with perfection? Exactly. It's the way I like it. You still wearing the uh, Iron Man feety pajamas? Oh, 100%. Yeah, of course. The Snuggie is the, yeah. the big thing that's in now. <laughs> Get my arms right through there. <laughs> the uh, adult feety pajamas. Exactly. We should put feet on the Snuggie, actually. That would be a brilliant idea. I think, you know, if Snuggie people, if you're listening and you do that, we want to cut of the royalties. 1% and a free membership to 1912 Entertainment if you do go with that. <laughs> awesome. There. We'll put it. It's, it's in. It's right there for you. It's a contract. <laughs> Verbal. <laughs> um, so just going and kind of commenting a bit back on our previous episode, we realized that it was a bit long. Yes. Um, so we kind of got talking there and got rolling and... And all of a sudden, it was two hours. Um, <laughs> so I think we're going to try to change up the format here going into the new year um, and maybe try to do some of the separate franchise reviews um, in, a, in a slightly different formatted podcast um, under the same feed and that. But maybe try to do something that's a bit more detailed out of kind of our normal formatted kind of current events podcast. You know, talk more about the movies, what we liked, what we didn't like, give sort of a ranking of them, just go more in depth, and I think, you know, overall, it'll improve the product. Not yeah. saying that, you know, our podcasts aren't perfection, because <laughs> they're as close to podcast perfection as you can get. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, so watch out for those coming down the pipe in the, in the next next little while. We're going to try to start splitting out and doing these more of these franchise reviews, you know, starting off with something like Jurassic Park or, you know, Star Wars, we have to do that still, and so there's there's lots out there, so... Watch out for that coming down. Do people even want Star Wars? I mean, it seems like with the movie at the box office, people, I don't even think they want to listen to Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot of people are going to see that, eh? No, it's kind of like, you know, the indie underground film of the year. <laughs> yeah. You know, we should really promote it so that way the word of mouth spreads and people will go and see it and maybe we'll get a sequel. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> or five. <laughs> so, uh, saying all that, should we start our walk to the comic shop? Yeah, let's get going. All right, so Tim... We touched on this earlier, Star Wars. Now, I'm not going to say I'm a genius, but I was so close to being bang on in my prediction last episode. Well, I think you're just you're within that margin of rounding it, right? You're oh, not yeah. going to say 248. You said 250, so I, I'd say you're pretty much bang on. Yeah, you round it up, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, one thing that we kind of got wrong, which everyone got wrong, was the staying power of this movie. I'm absolutely blown away how much staying power this movie has in your wildest dreams tim did you ever think this movie would be already on the cusp of breaking avatar's domestic box office record well i'm gonna say as we're recording i'm going to guess that it's past it like it only needed 20 million dollars today on monday right? yeah um and this thing is a juggernaut i completely underestimated 
mm-hmm. the power of Star Wars. I did not think it would touch avatars, <laughs> let alone in like 16 or 18 days or whatever it's, it's been. It's insane. It is absolutely mind-boggling. Like this thing broke every record. Like we can't run down every record it broke because it broke all of them. Yeah, we're trying to keep the show less than two hours, <laughs> so... Like, well, if a movie makes half as much as Star Wars The Force Awakens made already, it'd be a huge success. The sequel would be greenlit immediately. This is insane. I've never seen a movie like this before. No, and it hasn't even opened China yet. So, like, this this thing could... It, it has its sights set on Avatar's worldwide gross. Like, oh, this thing could be the first $3 billion movie. Easily, easily. It's already halfway there, and it's only been out for two weeks. It's, it's insane. Question, though... Mm-hmm. Um, so now this weekend, this yep. particular release weekend, December 18th or whatever it is as it falls, um, it now hosts the three biggest movies of all time. Wow. You know, you know, should Disney just claim this weekend forever or should someone just plant a flag in it? Because <laughs> next year we're going to get Rogue One. Yeah. Sort of the next Star Wars anthology film. Yeah. Right. And then after that, they're moving back to May. Why would they do that? So this is, and this May is the, the, the month set... Marvel's claim, right? Yeah. That's where you're getting your Civil Wars. You're always getting your uh, Avengers Temple movies. Yeah. You know, should they stay here? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, exactly. So, but episode eight is moving. It's May 26, 2017. Not going to watch it then. Yeah, it's not really. in December. <laughs> Gow me out. <laughs> so, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, this thing has all mm-hmm. the hype behind it. Yeah. Um, it's good word of mouth. It's, you know, mm-hmm. you know, people have been waiting for this for 30 years to see what happens yeah. after Return of the Jedi. I don't think, and again, you know, I was wrong on what what this one was gonna do exactly, but I don't think it's gonna have the same sort of momentum. And then you put it in May, mm-hmm. you know, does it have? Is it, you know, is the expectations are that we're gonna have another two hundred and fifty million dollar opening with episode eight? You know, this came out kind of as the perfect storm of when it came out. So it came out a week before Christmas, did it? Yeah. So then it came out a week before Christmas, and then when Christmas came, no one was working, so you had the Friday off, the Thursday, you know, most people took that day off as well. So you had an entire weekend as well of people who weren't, you know, who could see it at 10 o'clock, who could see it at 11 o'clock in the morning, who could see it at midnight. So, you know, if, say, you know, the holidays were, say, on a Monday or Tuesday, you know, then so you go back to work on a Wednesday, well, I don't think you're going to have that big boost and that very small box office drop second weekend. Yeah, that was minimal. Like, yeah. It, <laughs> I can't believe this thing, but what did you think of it? Like, this is coming, you know, it's, I'm really interested in, in your opinion here because mm-hmm. you, you watch, you did sit down and watch the original trilogy. That's right. Four, prior to going to The Force Awakens. Four, five, six. I sat down and watched all three, and I really enjoyed them. And then I came to seeing this movie, and I don't know if this is blasphemy or not, but this was my favorite Star Wars of all time. Interesting. I liked it more than Empire Strikes Back, which was awesome. I liked it more than Return of the Jedi. I liked it more than, you know, the first one, the the Force. A New Hope. A New Hope, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Still, still getting you up that yeah, curve. <laughs> it's, you know, I'm, I'm getting better. Yeah, of course. But, uh, no, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It's one of the best movies of the year by far. Yeah, I agree. And, like, for me, too, it's the, this is one of the best movie-going experiences I have ever had. Oh, like, I agree. When we walked into that, the, the theater, everyone there was to see Star Wars. They, yeah. I think there was playing, it was the Thursday night. Yep. I think every screen was playing it, at least yeah. five. Oh, and yeah. everyone there was there to see Star Wars. And there was, you know, every demographic was there, every, you know, eight, like everything. And, and the, I felt like just this vibration 
you know, all the fans were there, and then the the friends of fans were there, were excited, and oh, it was it was just fantastic. You know, I completely agree. People were dressed up. You know what it kind of reminded me of? The anticipation reminded me of like a prize boxing fight, like a heavyweight title match. People were just waiting in anticipation of what was going to come out, and no one really knew. We no. no one had saw it. No one had. There hadn't been a lot of spoilers, or you know, it didn't seem like a lot of people were reading them. So no one knew what to expect. It was kind of like seeing like Tyson versus Holyfield or something like that. Like that anticipation, it, it was something I don't know if we'll ever experience again. No, and I, I, I fully agree. And, you know, when that opening crawl hit, you know, our theater, everyone broke out into claps and cheers. Yep. And it just kind of it gives you this huge overwhelming feeling. And like, I absolutely love this movie. Like, you know, I hold it up there on par with some of the original trilogy, you know, and my biggest fear going into this was that I was propping this up so high. I had huge yeah. expectations for this thing. Um, in my mind, I'd, you know, I'd been building this since I was a child. You know, what happens after Return of the Jedi? Right. And I feel like we were given exactly what I wanted, you know, out yeah. of it. You know, there's people that are criticizing it a bit. Uh, really? They're saying it's, you know, a bit derivative of the original trilogy films is that, you know, they're hitting a lot of similar beats and you're getting a lot of similar characterization. Mm-hmm. But at that it's a star- it feels like a Star Wars movie, right? Yeah, I mean, they tried to go different than Star Wars, and they had the prequels, and look how that turned out. Exactly, and you don't hire a guy like J.J. Abrams to come in and not give you a nostalgic feeling. Like, he's mm-hmm. done this with... He did that with Super 8. Yep. He did that with the Star Trek films. Yep. He has this ability to bring in the best things from our childhood and compa- compact them into a narrative um, that really gives you this vibe and feeling of what you felt as a child when you were seeing these things. You know, he had the ability, he set up the new trilogy, a new foundation, a new, you know, a new feel to the universe. And at that, he's been able to bring in the original characters, you know, do them well, as also introduces just new generation of characters. All of them, which I really enjoyed the portrayal. Oh, yeah. Oh, I absolutely agree 100%. I'm just going to add, I thought it was hilarious when they showed the Star Trek preview, <laughs> and the one guy stands up and goes, boo, Star Trek sucks. Then like... He was the same director. <laughs> that happened. Okay. I thought that, you know, I was thinking about that earlier today. I was like, no, I'm sure I saw that on a TV show. Because there's actually a, a Big Bang TV, uh, the TV show, did that very similar thing. And I was like, no, I'm remembering the TV show. But that did happen in a theater. <laughs> yeah, that did. And I was like, what? Like, I love Star Trek. You know, there's room. Can't we just all coexist? There's room in this world for Star Trek and Star Wars yeah. fans. So... We're going to go into, like we said at the top of the show here, we're going to do franchise reviews, and Star Mm -hmm. Wars is going to be one of them. It'll be a several podcast kind of franchise review, and we'll go into a lot more depth in this. Mm -hmm. Um, And it gives us some time to marinate on it, too. Like, I find if we're going to give a review right out the gate, we have to see it, you know, I have seen it twice. We have to see it a couple more times, allow it to sit back, and then I feel like I can properly place it amongst kind of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but all in all, I'm exceedingly happy with this thing. Um, I feel like Disney... And the people at Lucasfilm now are the right people to move and take this uh, franchise forward. Um, and I, I can't wait. I'm hooked for the sequel. I'm there. Not that I wouldn't be, but yeah. I'm just that much more excited for it. You know, um, the only person actually not happy with this is probably George Lucas himself. I mean, I think he's feeling a little bit of buyer's remorse at this point. But uh, honestly, it kind of felt like it needed to be done. Sometimes, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I hate to go back to the sports analogy, but it's kind of like a coach. You know, you have the coach for the same amount of time. Eventually, it kind of gets, like, wear thin. So I think it was great going with J.J. Abrams. He's young. He knows what he's doing. He grew up with this. Excellent exactly. choice. Oh, yeah, 100%. And 
know, George Lucas did make that really awkward white slavers comment <laughs> yeah. the other day. So, you know, it's probably best that it's in the in the hands of uh, the capable people at Lucasfilm now, and Lucas has stepped back away from it. Thank you, Lucas, for what you gave us, but uh, now it's time to pass the torch on. Exactly. So, um, another exciting bit of news we got. First actual pictures of Doctor Strange. Tim, I know you're the Marvel expert here. What is your opinion on these pictures? Well, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a Doctor Strange expert, but looking at this thing, it looks like it's jumped right out of the comic book. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Like it's, and we're only seeing, you know, from the waist up or whatever, and there's some other photos in there, but he looks fantastic. He's got the great temples, the costume looks great, he's got the big-ass cape, you know, everything is looking fantastic here. Oh, I agree. And you know what? I'm glad they finally gave us something, because not that I don't think this movie is going to be huge and be a great success, but because I haven't gotten anything, you know, it's kind of down on my list of movies to see in 2016. I don't really know what to expect, and now with these pictures, I'm back on the I'm back on the train. Like that's gonna be excellent. Well, it's the one that you have we haven't heard a lot about, right? Like mm-hmm. we've got information: Civil War, Deadpool, Batman vs Superman, Suicide Squad, right? So we have you know this big slate of movies that come out in 2016, and this one seems to be the one that's kind of rolling around in the background. And it's nice, yeah. like you said, to finally see something that that got me you know that much more excited for it because you know like until I start seeing stuff, and I'm hoping we get something with Civil War, or even maybe just before that, where you know we can start to peak the interest of it um, and that's gonna probably you know once we see a trailer or something I'm probably end up going back and doing a bit more reading on Doctor Strange um, just as kind of my anticipation grows for it oh totally one thing I noticed though comic book movies or comic book characters in general they're always doctors you know that Doctor Doom Doctor Strange you know Doctor Reed Richards what what if maybe he's a dentist why can't he be dentist strange or something you know or, or random man off the street strange <laughs> proctologist strange like that fits yeah uh, that'd be hilarious <laughs> one thing i also want to say you know this is kind of more of like a magical kind of feel to it i think if this movie is a hit kind of like guardians it might spur warner brothers to finally get up and green light that justice league dark movie that we've heard a lot of rumors about and that would be excellent so you know Hats off. I hope this thing is a hit. It looks like it's well on its way to being another great success at Marvel. Well, if anyone could take you know a, a different or um, a unique concept and turn it into a blockbuster movie, you know we, we've seen Marvel do it with Ant-Man. We've seen them do it with Guardians of the Galaxy. So hopefully we're going to see them do it again here, and this will help propel. You know, because like we had mentioned before, Guardians seem to be the propelling force, a little bit at least, behind us getting Suicide Squad. Absolutely. And like you're saying there, like hopefully Doctor Strange does the same thing for other franchises. Totally agree. Totally agree. Is that it for our strange news of the week? It is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're going to talk about a bit of news that actually just dropped today. So we're hearing stuff that Daredevil Season 2 on Netflix, not 100% confirmed yet, but highly rumored to be releasing same day as Batman vs Superman. Now, when I first heard this, I was laughing. I was like, okay, seriously, like, what's going on here? And then I thought, you know, Batman vs Superman did this. They said, they came out and they said, we're going to be released same day as Captain America 3. And at the time, I thought that was great. So I can't go back now and be like, oh, what is Marvel doing? But honestly, I don't feel like this is going to affect either of them. If you're a big Batman fan or DC fan, you've been waiting for this film for years. And, you know, no TV show, no matter how good it is, is going to stop you from going to see it opening weekend. But on the flip side, if you're the type that's going to stay home and see Daredevil instead of Batman vs Superman, 
you probably weren't going to see Batman vs. Superman in the first place. I feel like, you know, you're probably really into Daredevil or, you know, really like the show, but you might see it later on. So I don't think there's going to be any impact, but I do like the rivalry. Tim, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I agree. Ultimately, this isn't going to put a really a dent in the viewership of either of them. They're different mediums. You know, Daredevil is quite a bit more of a commitment to actually watch it all the way through. Um, so it might be nice to take a break and go check out Batman vs Superman halfway through. Um, I think a lot of this is, you know, the interesting bit too is people are talking about this being a rivalry between Marvel and DC film, but Marvel film and Marvel TV are two separate entities, right? So they mm-hmm. don't they don't really answer to each other or talk to each other as much as you you know we probably hope as far as getting a cohesive universe. Right. Um, so Marvel TV doing something to try to offset. DC film, form up. I don't know. It seems a bit convoluted. I think it's just Disney just screwing around with Warner Brothers, just saying, <laughs> hey, maybe we'll release this on the 25th. It's coming out in March at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they're, they're talking about that, and then they'll drop it the weekend before, just kind of out the gates, because everything's ready to go. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know they, they, they say this, and now we're all talking about it. That's the thing, you know? right? I mean, how many people were talking about Daredevil Season 2 a week ago? You know, maybe quite a few, but uh, not nearly the amount that's talking about it today because of this announcement. No, and they've been dropping photos in that too. Like, we, we started to see Elektra and Punisher and, you know, coming off the back of, of Season 1, you know, I'm super excited for this. But <laughs> at the same time, like, as excited as you are for this, you know, the first time seeing the Trinity on film, mm-hmm. you know, for me, may just weigh out seeing, uh, <laughs> you know, Daredevil. It might be a nice... Might be a nice break, like I said, to go check out Batman vs Superman kind of halfway through. I don't think they're gonna release them on the same day. No, so I'm not going to Batman vs Superman alone. You will come with me. Oh, 100 percent. Yes. You've been to every <laughs> every opening uh, in the last what, like three, four years with me. So, um, yeah. well, I think we missed a couple. I mean, with excluding vacations, we've been to every one that we could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So close enough. <laughs> You know, I always buy an extra ticket and just bring, like, one of your shirts with us and then place it in the seat beside <laughs> you. <laughs> no one gets that <laughs> It says take again. <laughs> so, another bit of rivalry, you know, um, January 19th, CW host Kevin Smith is going to give us a rundown of the entire DC universe, and we're also going to get another Suicide Squad trailer. But the same day, ABC, owned by Disney, is giving us a 75th anniversary Captain America special. You know, on the same day, another bit of rivalry. Tim, which one are you going to watch? I mean, you're probably going to watch both, but which one are you going to watch live? Which one are you going to PVR? I'll be PVR on the DC one. Oh, <laughs> nice shocker, through my heart. <laughs> yeah, well, Cap is also, he's my favorite comic book character, so of course i got to watch that. And, and yeah, I'll PVR the, the, and see what Kevin Smith has to say. Now, is it, it's not the DC Cinematic Universe. It's the whole, is it DC Comic Universe? Like, what is exactly is he talking about? Uh, so they're going to be giving you a Suicide Squad trailer... Um, some more info on Batman vs Superman and some actual Wonder Woman footage. Oh, so it cool. is kind of like a, you know dipping your toe into the DCU. Unless we're getting more Civil War stuff, that all that footage is going to pull people over to the to the Warner Brothers side for sure. Uh, you know, CW is not as big of a network as ABC, so it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure ABC is going to win that, but it'll be interesting to see what actually gets released. I've heard that the trailer is unreal for Suicide Squad, so you know I'm really excited. Can't wait to see this. I don't know which one I'm more excited to see, BBS or SS, so um, I'm tuning into both, but I'm watching DC Universe Live and then PBR and Captain America. Nice, nice. So, are we at the comic book shop yet? We are, let's head in. 
All right, so for our new to nerd segment this week, uh, we wanted to talk about what we're calling our nerdier resolutions. <laughs> Hashtag nerdier resolutions. Yeah, put that one in the bank. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, next week we're going to talk a lot about more of our 2016 most anticipated films and comics and that. But what this is, is it, what, and what I kind of want to talk about was, you know, being a nerd sometimes <laughs> takes some planning. Yes. Because um, not only is there an enormous amount of content that is coming out, both comic books, you know, novels, uh, movies, TV shows, you know, it's budgeting that time, but it's also quite a financial burden sometimes too when we start talking about, you know, movie posters yes. and action figures and all that kind of stuff. So a couple of years ago, one of my nerdy resolutions was I really need to focus my collecting. Mm -hmm. um, I need to get away from kind of getting kind of this junk like pens and, you know, paper pads and all this other <laughs> stuff, little tchotchkes and that. Mm -hmm. And so I really focused down to basically collecting six inch action figures, movie posters, three and three quarter inch. Now, The Force Awakens has kind of thrown that <laughs> all the crap, but <laughs> one of that's so this is coming into one of my, my nerdy resolutions is to kind of refocus um, and get down to collecting quality things over mm -hmm. quantity of things. How true, how true. And, you know, it's knowing what's coming out is another important thing mm -hmm. um so yeah you know what movies are coming out and with those movies there's all sorts of tie-in stuff there's the action figures movie but like all of that stuff so it's really focusing on exactly what you want to collect so i collect star wars and marvel which is quite broad <laughs> um, but there's very specific things i collect in there like mm -hmm. steel books and you know teaser movie posters and only the six inch legend figures um, so it's really important to kind of focus your collecting down. Um, and that's something I started to do a couple years ago. Great. Um, and for this year, kind of what I'm, I'm putting out there as my nerd resolution is I want to revisit my comic pull list. Um, because of Secret Wars, it got mm -hmm. blown to pieces. Yeah. You know, I was collecting this, I was picking up that. And um, once Secret Wars finally ends, we've got one more issue here, <laughs> and hopefully it ends, and then I go back and revisit my pull list and I want to be reading quality, quality books. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to try to get away from just getting every Avengers book. I'm going to try to maybe just get the two best ones or the two that tie in the best. Um, and my other thing is, you know, I want to budget my time a bit better as far as, I, like I was just saying, you know, with so much coming out, especially in 2016, mm -hmm. you know, I missed quite a bit of movies that I want to see in theaters in 2015, right. um, you know, and I missed some comic books, and then, then there's also, I've been picking up different podcasts I'm going to listen to, and I started listening to audiobooks as well, um, trying to get some, you know, fill in the gaps in some of the timelines in particularly the Star Wars universe, uh, in the new canon and that. Um, so it's kind of, I want to really try to budget my time a bit better, and, you know, really, again, focus on, on quality stories and, and that, and kind of make room for that in, in my life a bit better. I mean, I find if your pull list gets too large, you don't read anything. I mean, if you're reading 10 to 15 titles, how can you keep track? You know, you're reading three different Batman titles, and you're like, okay, well, is he fighting the Joker in Detective Comics, or is he fighting Bane in, you know, The Dark Knight? It gets too complicated. It gets expensive. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you... I think the ideal I have is probably eight books. Uh, yeah, I was going to say seven, eight books. Mm -hmm. That's exactly where I want to be. Two a week. You know, maybe some weeks three, some weeks one... Anything more than that, 
you know, it gets too complicated. Anything less than that, sometimes you don't get a book a week and then you kind of like don't go to the shop every week and, you know, it can kind of take you out of it. So I try to budget maybe two to two to three a week. Yeah, that's yeah, that's perfect. And one thing, you know, I'm going to really jump into, I know, Tim, you've been collecting this, so you'll give me some advice on this is movie posters. So I just started doing this. I have the Man of Steel teaser one with uh, Henry Cavill looking down on the S, and I have um, Batman Begins. Now I got the double-sided theatrical ones, and I want to continue that. So Batman vs Superman's coming out, Suicide Squad's coming out. It's nice that the DC Universe is coming out in 2016, pretty much. So that way I can get, you know, I can jump in from the beginning. It'd be like when the Marvel Cinematic Universe came out, you'd get. Iron Man, you'd get Incredible Hulk, you get Iron Man 2, so yeah. it's nice that it's coming out a little bit later, so I'm able to hopefully collect them all, and I think it'd be a nice little collection to have one day, and, you know, display them, they look great, um, every movie poster, not every movie poster, but, you know, the ones for comic book movies, very few of them have been poor, yeah. all of them have been excellent in my opinion, especially all the Marvel ones, all the Batman ones, even Green Lantern, terrible film, but excellent movie poster. Yeah. I think what we what we can do here, and one of the new to nerds um, in the future, is go into a lot more depth about uh, movie poster collection because that's mm-hmm. like you're getting into it now, and I've been into it since you know about 2010 or whatever. Um, and I think there's a lot of cool tips that we can give people as far as what to look for, how to display them, how to keep them, mm-hmm. as far as avoiding sort of any kind of ripping or tearing or even uh, the breakdown of the actual paper. So I think we can go with that in a little further. I think that's that would be a great segue eventually into a, a different new nerd segment. The people are demanding it. We'll <laughs> give it to the people. We, you know, we're the we're the men of the people. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just that's our uh, new to nerd resolution, or that's my uh, nerd year resolution. Um. Should we go on to our 2015 awards, or as we like to dub them here, the nerdsies? Yeah, let's do that. All right, welcome everyone to the first annual Nerdsies. I've got my tuxedo on. We've walked the red carpet. Oh, and look, we see Tim. Tim, Tim, who are you here with? What are you wearing? Well, I'm wearing a lovely Force Awakens t-shirt. Nice, nice. Is that uh, Vera Wang or is that Hugo Boss? or? This is actually Funko Pop. Wow, Funko <laughs> Pop. Um, you know me, I went the more traditional. I got my three-piece Hugo Boss suit on, custom made for the occasion. You can check us out after this episode on Fashion Police, if that show's still on. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, over my head. <laughs> Joan Rivers. She's an icon, man. You gotta <laughs> give respect to Joan Rivers on this. Um, so what we thought we'd do is 2015 Year in Review Movie Awards and a little bit of Comic Awards as well. So should we start by giving out our first nerdsy for Best Movie Scene? Tim, take it away. All right, I'm going to preempt this with we're going full spoilers here for everything. Spoilers. Um, in 2015. So we're going to be talking in-depth about movies, uh, about comic books. So um, we'll, we're not going to say spoilers before everything, but just be aware we're going to be talking about specific scenes, including, you know, potentially end scenes and all that kind of stuff. So be aware that that's, that's coming. So Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> so my best movie scene comes from The Force Awakens. Oh, okay, um, okay. Um, let me let me guess. Can I guess? If you guess, yes. Go ahead. Try I'm saying the lightsaber fight in the forest. <sighs> Close. Okay, okay. But it is... So uh, there's a scene where Han Solo and Chewbacca um, and them get caught mm-hmm. uh, by uh, the First Order, and they're at a character's um, castle, a character called uh, Maze Katana, and... 
Um, they're looking off into the distance, and then you can see the Resistance X-Wing fighters skimming along the lake coming towards them, and they kind of swoop up, and then you see over the back, you see all the TIE fighters coming, and the emotion I got from that just overwhelmed me. It was so cool seeing them skim across the lake, yeah. uh, and then Poe Dameron comes and shoots a whole bunch, and then you see, after that, you see Han and them break out, and it's just, they have their hands raised, and Han and Chewie and all them kind of put their hands down and are looking up, and then basically I just feel like, oh, it's the resistance is here. And this is like really your first introduction to a fighting resistance um, and the first big kind of aerial battle between resistance um, and the First Order. And I just absolutely love that scene. That was my favorite scene of the year. Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. <laughs> it was an excellent, excellent scene. I know exactly the scene you're talking about. You know, actually when that scene came on in the theater, I turned around and I think I saw a couple of tears in your eyes. And you know what? There's a couple of tears in my eyes too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, so, it was so good. I love that. How about you? Okay, so I'm going to go a little bit off the board here. Um, I'm going with horror. I'm a huge horror guy, and 2015 was actually a pretty good year for horror films. It gave us one of the best horror films of all time, It Follows. Tim, have you heard of this movie before? Yes. Like I said before, I'm not a huge horror guy because I'm a giant wimp. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I'd stay away from this movie then because this movie is scary. But, okay, I'm not going to spoil this one because horror, you know, if you get a scene spoiled, especially a particularly scary scene, you can kind of take away from the film. So I will give you a little bit of background on this film. It wasn't, it was released, but it wasn't like a big hit at the box office. So this is one of the scariest scenes. I think I'm going to dub it the tall man scene. Kind of a premise of the movie. It starts off, um, this guy sleeps with the main girl, and then he gives her this curse, which is passed through sex. So after they do it, I know it sounds kind of ridiculous, but it works in this movie. <laughs> so after, you know, after they do it, she gets this curse where this entity, you know, supernatural entity stalks her and the entity can take the form of anybody and how it stalks you is walks really slowly towards you. It's very powerful and it'll kill you if it gets you. Scene I'm referencing, the main girl just got the curse, but she doesn't yet know if the guy's, you know, making this up or if this is real or what's going on. So she's just at her house. She has a couple of friends over to protect her. And then, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, if you watch the film and you know the scene I'm talking about, feel free to send me an email and discuss it. I think it was the scariest scene of 2015. It was excellent. This is probably one of the top 10 horror films I've ever seen. That's how much I loved it. Um, go out and see it. But this scene scared me. It gave me nightmares. Like, And I, I see a ton of horror films, and this one actually got to me. It's very rare. I've been desensitized. This scene reminded me of why I got into horror. I like to feel scared. I like that feeling, you know, you're like in a roller coaster and you're just about to go down. That feeling in the pit of your stomach. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if the main character is going to be safe. And this film... And this scene in particular brought me back to my early horror film days. So definitely check it out. My favorite scene of 2015. Yeah. All right. So next award we have is Best Cliffhanger. Tim, which one did you get? All right. So one thing I just want to make clear quickly is we don't see every movie that's put out. Well, you don't, but I do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I don't know. have nearly the time to do that. <laughs> uh, so a lot of these are kind of subjective. And Absolutely. Awards and stuff like that. And 
So, like, when we're talking about this, when we talk about favorite scenes and that, you know, remember that we're, we, I've, I've seen a handful of films this year, maybe mm-hmm. 20 or so or whatever. Yeah. So I'm pulling just from a small base. So if there's these great indie films or all the, uh, you know, other tentpole movies that I haven't seen and mm-hmm. people are sitting there pulling their hair out, well, what is he talking about? Why? <laughs> it's probably because I haven't seen it. Yeah. You know, and if you feel that way, send us an email, send us a tweet. We'd love to get your feedback yeah. and we'll watch it and we'll discuss it on the next episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my word for best cliffhanger, or what I like to call it, kind of a sequel hook. So there's a couple out there um, mm-hmm. that I did enjoy. There was the the Thanos end credit scene in Age of Ultron. That one was good. It was good. Um, there was the Civil War scene in Ant Man. That was good. Good. Yeah. Also yeah. Good. Yeah. But the scene again. I'm going to come back to this movie a lot. <laughs> but Terminator Genesis. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> Um, that's on the one one of the ones I haven't seen. Um, but coming back to the Force Awakens, you know, major spoilers here. Mm-hmm. Turn off and fast forward thirty seconds ahead in time because I'm gonna blow the end of the movie here. <laughs> spoilers. Uh, um, the appearance of Luke Skywalker in the Force Awakens mm-hmm. doesn't say a word. Nope. Just puts his hood down, looks directly at Rey, and there's this look. And all I can think about is, oh my god, why isn't this movie two more hours long? <laughs> like, what's going on here? And so that caught me hook, line, and say, like, I am in. Not that I wouldn't have been in before, but if the movie had just kind of ended and been like, oh yeah, we're happy, you know, we're going to go, we're going to take the Millennium Falcon, and we're going to fly off into space, mm-hmm. um, and Luke had been present throughout the film, you know, this gives me, like, holy, like, you know, Luke's in the next film, he's going to play a, a big role, you know, you know, we're going to find out a bit more about his backstory, why he is where he is, why he left. And, yeah, that that's my hook. That's my sequel hook. Um, so, yeah, I'm in 100%. Always was, but I, now my anticip- anticipation is skyrocketed as soon as you <laughs> You can't around. even talk. Like, You're so no, excited. I'm, I'm freaking vibrant <laughs> talking about this. You know, um, I think they played it very smart when they did this because they gave us the nostalgia of having Han and Chewie in the first one and uh, Leia. Yeah. And they didn't even give us Luke. So now the second one is all going to be about Luke. And so that way they didn't put all their eggs in one basket. Exactly. Should, yeah. He's going to have a similar, I think, a similar size role that Han Solo did um, in The Force Awakens. Han Solo dies. Oh, spoiler! <laughs> did you see those like, spoilers <laughs> that were making the rounds of the internet? Some jerks were like posting on people's Facebooks like, Han, spoil- or, Han, spoiler, Han Solo dies. Merry Christmas. <laughs> like that, okay don't that made me so mad like think about it you know you're someone you know i think of you like if someone said that to you before we got into the film would have crushed you i would have been just horrified (laughs) i think that's how we should do spoilers now from now on if we say han spoilers (laughs) (laughs) that's a new thing han spoilers (laughs) han spoiler alert so i'm gonna go on a movie that didn't have nearly the impact as Star Wars The Force Awakens, so every movie ever in existence besides Star Wars The Force Awakens. Um, the Man from Uncle. I'm going to give this movie some love. I just recently watched it, and at the end of the film, the head of the British... Okay, spoilers again, obviously. Um, okay, we're done Han spoilers, so from now on, spoilers on everything. Yeah, Han spoilers for the rest. <laughs> so at the end, the head of the British intelligence, played by Hugh Grant, um, says, okay, let's get you guys started on your second mission. It's going to be in Turkey. Get packed. Let's go. And then the movie ends. Now, it was a perfect setup to the franchise, but sadly, I don't think the sequel's ever going to get made 
This movie didn't really connect with audiences. I don't know why. I thought it was really good, but it came out in summer. It was a very crowded summer in 2015. The movie cost about $75 million to make. That doesn't include marketing or anything like that. It made barely over $45 million in the U.S. and didn't do it very well in home videos, so I doubt this movie gets made, but I'm going to say, you know, it is a great hook. I was down for the sequel. Sad to see it probably won't get made. Um, and to be honest, I only checked this movie out because Henry Cavill's in it. So I'm like, oh man, Superman's in it, Arnie Hammer's in it, you know, it's going to be good, and it was excellent. Guy Ritchie directed it. Love this movie, check it out, but as I say, unfortunately, it probably won't get a sequel. Does it feel like a Guy Ritchie movie? Like, does it, because he has this kind of aesthetic and look and, you know, all the, the dialogue and all that is, is Guy Ritchie. Is it Guy Ritchie-esque? Oh yeah. yeah, you could definitely tell it's not your typical spy film. Yeah, so if you're a Guy Ritchie fan, you'll like it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely check it out. Alright, for our next Nerdsy Award, we're going with the Blade Runner Award. Now, this award is for a movie which didn't really connect with audiences when it was released, but 20 years later, turned out to be a huge hit, widely loved. Now, this movie, a lot of people I've seen that have seen this movie really enjoy it, but the problem is, not a lot of people have actually seen this movie. So I'm here to plug it. I think it's going to be an instant, well, it already is an instant sci-fi classic, and that's Ex Machina. Now, it's a brilliant sci-fi film. It asks some very important questions that, you know, we as a society are going to have to answer quicker than we think. You know, technology is growing so fast these days, it's not unreasonable to think that AI is not right around the corner. And this film really, you know, asks those questions. It does it in a very entertaining way. For those Star Wars fans out there, whoever you are, those couple of you, um, there's two people in it that are actually in Star Wars, uh, Poe and... General Hux. That's the one. Um... Oscar Isaacs and also if you're an X-Men fan he's Apocalypse in the new X-Men film this year so check it out it's really entertaining it's fast paced um, it, it was great it's an excellent movie I cannot recommend this movie enough and you know this is the, one of the few awards that we actually both agree on yeah 100% like you know going down the line I think this thing I, check it out I think it benefits from multiple viewings mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of good themes and the narrative through the whole thing is is quite good and it's entertaining as hell and you get to see oscar isaacs in an excellent dance scene it's hilarious um it's got everything it's got a little bit of horror in it too it's got action science fiction it's the perfect film like i can't say enough good things about this movie it's excellent check it out and for those of you who have checked it out will agree with me check it out again um okay on to our next award best trailer of the year tim all right trailers are one of my you know, favorite things about movies, you know, I like even, I, yeah, I watch them all on, on, uh, the internet now because they come out. Um, well, I do miss, what's, what's the internet? The internet. <laughs> I do miss that anticipation of, you know, what's the trailer going to see before a big movie and mm -hmm. see it for the first time on the big screen. But anyways, aside from that, <laughs> get off um, your so soapbox. <laughs> there's a lot of good trailers and I've spoken, uh, quite a bit in the last couple episodes about how I watch trailers, how I don't watch full trailers mm -hmm. uh, towards the end or TV spots or anything like that. Um, I do like the teasers in the very first trailer. Do you go back to watch them? So like Avengers age of Ultron, will you go back and say, like, okay, what was trailer two? What was trailer yeah, three? I went back and watched all the force awakens once. Oh, too, okay. I was happy that I didn't because there's some cool scenes in there mm -hmm. that it was really nice experiencing for the first time. Absolutely. Um, particularly a lot of the Han Solo scenes and a lot of the Finn scenes. Some of the, I didn't, it wasn't expecting the humor that was in it. And some of mm -hmm. those were in, in the TV spots and that. So I did go back in and I'm, I'm happy that I made that decision not to watch those. Nice. Um, but my best trailer of the year, 
and I spoke about this in quite a bit of detail before, is the Civil War trailer. I had a feeling it would be yeah. that. <laughs> you know, it was a toss-up between that. The Star Wars trailer is great, and some of the Deadpool ones are, are fantastic, too. Yes. This one just really, really caught me. And it was at a time when, you know, I was, you know, quite heavily into um, watching and eating up everything that was Star Wars. And then all of a sudden, bam, the Civil War trailer hits, and I'm just floored by it. Um, go back and check it. I think it's episode one. Um, that we talked in quite a bit of detail about the Civil War shows. Go back and check that out and see kind of my initial thoughts on that. But that, for me, is uh, gets the award for Trailer of the Year. It kind of came out of nowhere, too. Like, it was just on the Jimmy Kimmel show. I think yeah. you, like, texted me one random day, and you are like, hey, did you see, you know, Civil War trailer drop? And I, like, yeah, raced a, down. there's a lot of swear words. <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> Captain America fights Iron Man. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm going to give you a break for ranting on Star Wars or raving about how great it is, and I'm going to jump on that train, and my best trailer <laughs> was Star Wars The Force Awakens. That trailer was huge. I went to movies, and when that trailer hit, it got a bigger ovation than the movie itself. People were clapping. It was insane. The you know, And if this trailer, you know, it was anticipated, but this trailer really amped it up, and it didn't give a lot away. I'm talking about the initial trailer. Yeah, the, yeah, the first one. Um, it didn't give a lot away, you know, it got enough, it gave enough nostalgia that people were going to see it, and it was excellent, um, it was the best trailer of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting, because I'm, I'm going forward with the Star Wars franchise, um, so G.J. Abrams is, you know, in every movie he's done, he's consistently very secretive about the, what's being shot, what gets released, and all that, and... I think the trailers benefited from his influence on that. I'm curious going forward if we're going to see, um, say, Episode Eight or, or Rogue One and stuff like that, if we're going to see a lot more in the trailers. So it's really going to prevent me from watching very very many of them. Um, so I, that's something I am interested in with the way that they're how they're designing the trailers. If we're going to keep this more of a secretive franchise and then, boom, you get all the, the reveals in the movie. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> they'll probably do it the same as this. I mean, as I said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it definitely ain't broke in yeah. Star Wars. So, <laughs> um, Okay, so now we're going to go to the small screen from the silver screen, just for one award. Um, best comic TV show. I chose The Walking Dead. Now, for me, this is the best comic TV show ever produced. It's mm-hmm. excellent. I love horror. I love zombies. This, this TV show is excellent. I can't say enough good things about it. What... You know, it's the biggest TV show on the planet right now. You know, if The Walking Dead, you know, said like, oh, our ending, you know, our season finale was coming out the same day as Batman vs. Superman, <laughs> then I might be a little bit more worried for Batman vs. Superman. But this TV show has so much pull, so much, so much power. It's just been excellent. Can't say enough good things. Check it out if you haven't already, mm-hmm. which I assume you probably have if you're listening to us. Yeah. And we're living in just, you know, We've talked about it before, the golden age of comic book movies, but we're also in this, you know, where we're getting so many good quality comic book TV shows. Absolutely. You know, it spans across from, you know, network to Netflix, and we're getting, you know, minor characters, major characters, you know, and we're getting, you know, stuff like The Walking Dead that's a bit different. It's just a fantastic time to be watching comic book TV shows, you know. You know, on my side, I don't watch everything, um, but you know, I do watch Agents of Shield, all the Netflix stuff, uh, Peggy Carter. Like, it's you know, we're living in a great time. 
Do you think Star Wars is ever going to go with maybe a TV show or something like that? Live action? Well, I don't know. Live action would be interesting because they do have Rebels and um, they did have the Clone Wars and all that The that are kind of more of the, the, the computer graphic ones. But there has been talk in the past of producing a live action. It would be difficult, um, especially because a quality thing. And that's something that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. struggles with is mm-hmm. that there's a definite quality change between the TV series and the movies, which are supposed to be in the same universe. Yeah. And you can kind of see that. And so if you're trying to blend... If you're trying to do more of like a cinematic universe around Star Wars where you're having TV shows and the movies and everything being canon, you know, that you're going to see that obvious quality barrier. So unless Disney dumps a ton of money into it, which is something that after coming off the back of this, they very well might. (laughs) They have plenty of spare cash to throw around. I got the perfect Star Wars TV show idea. Ewoks. <laughs> it's been done. Let's kind of make it like an ALF, like a comedy. Yeah. Like, uh, Ewok in today's society. I mean, that's a hit right oh, there. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> um, so what I'm giving the award for best comic book TV show is I'm going into the Netflix series, the Marvel Netflix series, and it's Daredevil. Oh. This thing. Boom. This, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, you know, I'm just kidding. No, this, this series was awesome. Uh, myself and my wife watched it. Who she's not a big kind of comic book fan or anything like that, but she absolutely loved this series. Nice. You know, we binge watched this thing right through, and I have to say, you know, this this is I'd say one of the best and most well made comic book TV shows ever. Wow! Um, it's the characterization of Daredevil is fantastic. Um, you know, the fight scenes in particular, my favorite scene in the whole series. I think it's episode two, three, or four, something like that. He, he brawls in a hallway and it's a continuous shot fight and it's, it's so intense and he's getting exhausted as he's punching people and falling over and crashing through doors. Incredible. This, this, you know, for me, there's, there's nothing else that even compares to this. Jessica Jones is close and I'm a consistent watcher of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. but nothing even touches this and that's why I'm so hyped for season two. You know, if season two comes out the same day as Batman vs. Superman, it'll be the second time Ben Affleck ruined Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> He's like, I ruined you guys once, I can do it again. <laughs> That's hilarious. I didn't even think of that. Um, okay, so moving on. So now we're going to go into the wardrobe department. Best hero costume. Tim? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach into Age of Ultron. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the portrayal of Vision and visually... <laughs> at that you know I really like how his image and how he kind of translated on the screen it was a cool mix of CG and practical effects um, they really nailed his look and his look particularly in the cinematic universe it's different mm-hmm. slightly different from the comic book um, but he seemed to fit very well integrate really well and you know when he when he grew the cape out back after that looking at excellent. Thor I was like that has a brilliant touch you know Vision has to have his cape. He had the kind of the vibrant the face paint, and there was, I guess, a bit tweak with CG, um, and just the look of him. I really, really mm. liked that, and I think it fit really well in the universe. And you know, it was a great portrayal of of, um, of Vision. Yeah, so that's that's the award I'm giving for best hero costume. Nope, that's a good poll. I totally agree with you. I actually forgot about that. I don't know how, but that's an excellent answer. Um, I gave it to Ant Man. I thought Paul Rudd's costume was excellent. The red, the black, it worked. His helmet was super cool. And then when he shrinks, you know, the costume still looks cool. I think they did an excellent job with that. Can't say enough good things about it. Um, I really enjoyed his costume, so I gave it to Ant-Man. Awesome. Um, so I came up with actually a best villain costume as well. 
Um, I don't know if you did or not. I can think of something on the fly. Okay, the okay. Um, so I actually went back to Star Wars. Surprise, surprise. And Kylo Ren. I really loved his costume with his cape. You know, the helmet looked really cool. His voice sounded excellent. Um, he looked excellent. I mean, he was menacing. Um, they did an excellent job, the costume department, with him. Excellent. Yeah, I would 100% agree with you. Go figure. But <laughs> what I'll try to do is throw something a little different in. Um, and I'm going to go back to Age of Ultron again. Oh, nice. Um, nice. And particularly looking at Ultron. Now, a lot of people had problems with how Ultron looked, mm-hmm. his face, being that he had lips and eyebrows and all that. Um, but I really like the evolution of the character throughout the movie. Kind of, and this this really harkens back to his evolution in the comic books, how he starts as something quite primitive, like mm-hmm. in Age of Ultron, the, um, the kind of Iron Man robot, and then eventually progresses into something that's, you know, much more intimidating and look, and like the aesthetic look of it is, you know, very menacing. So I was quite happy with that. And I think, you know, it came across very well in the CG. It looked, you know, somewhat more or less seamless when he's kind of in, in fighting. And yeah, I thought it was, it was, it was a nice portrayal of, you know, a, a beloved villain, if you can say that, um, within uh, the Marvel comic and the Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe. So, so I'll give the award to, to, to Ultron. I agree. I really liked the beginning when he had the red cloak on too. Yeah. Before you could even see him before he turned around, that was really cool. And that's that's the scene like pulled right out of one of his first appearances. That's probably my favorite scene of that movie. That was an excellent reveal of the villain. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we're gonna go with best fight. Tim, what do you got? Best fight. Well, you know. Again, I'm reaching and like I have a small like what it seems. I'm going through this awards. I'm like, did I only see three movies? <laughs> you only saw four movies. <laughs> Maybe I should change this on the fly. No, I'm gonna go with Hulk vs. Hulkbuster. Obviously, I um, think that's the obvious answer here. And you know, it was awesome to see finally, you know, Veronica, you know, the the Hulkbuster, it actually face off against the Hulk, and the scene was really well done. I thought that they played a little bit too much. Um, to the whole Man of Steel controversy where you had Iron Man looking and making sure that no one was in the buildings and all that stuff. Um, I love the fight scene. I didn't like how it ended, though. I'm giving you the word for the best fight, Um, the overall fisticuffs of it, but how I didn't like that Iron Man essentially won because it kind of takes away from anything else that the Hulk, um, as far as if he's going to fight Thanos one day or whatever, um, can actually do. But as far as the visual look of it and the actual fight, Mm-hmm. Hulk vs. Hulkbuster gets it for me. Oh, I agree. Um, one thing I thought they did really well was splice and humor. When Iron Man's like, go to sleep, and you just, you know, the fist is constantly punching him. I thought, you know, the audience killed it. They were killing themselves laughing at that part. That was excellent. Um, yeah, I agree. Hulk vs. Hulkbuster for me, best fight of the year. All right, so now we're going to best sidekick. Yeah. What, um, do, you got? what do you got for best sidekick? I have... Robin, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> best best sidekick. I have Angeline Lilly from Ant-Man. You know, I felt like she was in more control than uh, Scott Lang was, actually, in the whole movie. Yeah. She's going to be Wasp in the next one, so she's not a sidekick anymore. You know, she's really badass. You know, she wasn't just, like, a damsel in distress. She, you know, as I said, she was more in control than Scott Lang. So she, she takes it for me. She takes the uh, best sidekick award. Yeah, we're going to dip from a, a very similar pot here. Um, going into Ant-Man, but I'm giving it to Lewis, Michael Pena's character. Um, he's the guy that really brought, 
know, you hire Paul Rudd for his comedic chops. But for me, the guy that really brought the comedy was Michael Pena. Oh, no doubt. It was hilarious in the film. I love the montages, and they felt very <laughs> Edgar Wright-esque montages. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so there's the two big montages in that movie where he's talking, and then they're flashing all around. I thought that was fantastic. And, you know, as far as the sidekick goes, you know, he's someone I hope to see in Ant-Man and the Wasp when it comes out in how 2018 or 19, whenever it comes out. Um, and, yeah, he was, he was just a really nice presence in the movie. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more of them. Nice. I agree. I agree. We shouldn't name this award Best Sidekick. Um, the Hamburger Helper Award or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> oh, man, I'm slow. <laughs> um, best Movie Poster. So I'm going to go to Jurassic World on this. You know, they had two excellent movie posters. The first one that was released when it was the same as the original, but the colors were different. So you had a silver or steel background and then that metallic blue. That's excellent. And then the second one with the child standing behind glass and you had that huge water dino. I don't even know what it's called, but um, there's something about that where you had on one side, you know, the monster. And then the other side, you had like a little child and it's just like that thin layer of glass between them. Um, that was an excellent movie poster for me that takes it for 2015 awesome yeah well i have to agree with you there um i bought three posters this year and i only buy the ones i like um i bought the jurassic world teaser which is the first one you talked about just the tweed colors yep but the force awakens teaser yep and also bought the force awakens proper okay and surprise surprise the force awakens proper (laughs) (laughs) it's taking it for me yeah i've always loved the star wars um they kind of have like this montage look not even montage looking but kind of all the faces and then seemingly the more you know prevalent characters have bigger Mm -hmm. uh, faces on it and it's just there's a particular style and look and aesthetic that i love about the star wars posters and the force awakens one really nailed that uh and that for me that's one like i've even i'm gonna i usually just put them in kind of the the frames for michaels and that's one i'll get properly framed yeah um it deserves it yeah and freaking expensive <laughs> but that, that's what i'm gonna have to give it to it's uh it really gives you the feel of the original trilogy um it kind of shows you the characters is kind of one of our first looks at you know han old han old leia and then you got this kind of some smattering of other characters through there um yeah it's a fantastic poster and it's definitely one that's that, that will be eventually hanging up um in my my, my nerd room <laughs> excellent i totally agree that was an excellent movie poster as well um i agree so now we're going to go to best new franchise entry. So I don't know how you gave this award out, Tim. What I did with this is I judged it based on a film that rejuvenated a franchise the most. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the best movie which was in a franchise, but one that took a franchise that may be dead or you know was kind of milling about and turned into a mega hit. So I was between Jurassic World and Star Wars The Force Awakens. And what I ultimately went with was Jurassic World. Even though I think Star Wars The Force Awakens is a better movie, I feel like Star Wars, you know, it was hyped a lot. Before this movie came out, there's a lot of people excited for this. You know, a lot of people were going to see this regardless on how good or how poor the film was. Jurassic World, on the other hand, I mean, besides the first one, the other two sequels weren't up to par, in my opinion, to the first one. And, you know, the third one, it took, like, what, not didn't make that much money, and it took almost, what, 15 years until we got another one? 
And so if Jurassic World came out and if it, if it was bad or if it was, you know, terrible, there would never be a Jurassic Park 5. It would have to be a fresh reboot. But Jurassic World, in my opinion, was a pretty solid movie. And it had just the right notes. It had just the right amount of action. It didn't take itself too seriously. There was some humor in it. Excellent performance by Chris Pratt. Um, and the redhead girl... Um, there's only like three in Hollywood. I'm drawing a blank right now. Not, not uh, Isla Fisher. Dallas Bryce Howard. That's the one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree. This film was what Terminator Genesis was supposed to be. It reinvigorated a franchise that was dead. And Jurassic Park is big money now. They're going to make probably two more at least. It brought Jurassic Park back into the pop culture conscious and to the general audience conscious consciousness so to me i'm giving this award to jurassic world tim i have a feeling <laughs> you know i'm not i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say you're potentially gonna give this to um a galaxy far far away possibly a long time ago yeah well again you've called it <laughs> <laughs> i am a man of the people i am psychic what can i tell you I'm going to continue to heap on the praise for Force Awakens. <laughs> uh, a very similar kind of look. I looked at this as kind of a best sequel or best reboot. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, The Force Awakens is very much a sequel to the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. um, and we're talking about reinvigorating um, franchises. You know, this franchise never went away. It never no. needed reinvigorating, but it really needed, you know... A remodeling almost absolutely um and needed you know work we came off of came out of you know the early 2000s the prequels you know like i said before i'm not a hater but they they don't stand you know even close to the original trilogy no and what the force awakens done is it's it's really taken us back into like you said the galaxy far far away the original mm -hmm. kind of this worn this used this and you know bringing back the original characters um, and progressing the story, it's it's accomplished. I think what it set out to accomplish was that let's you know let's really really press hard on the nostalgia button, but mm -hmm. let's also progress the story into something new. Absolutely. And I think it really it very much so accomplished that, and I, that's why I'm giving it the best new franchise entry. No, um, excellent choice. Hard to argue that. I yeah. mean, <laughs> you know, we're gonna call these the nerdsies, but they might end up being the Star Warsies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least for this year. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your favorite robot in Star Wars? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that is a good award. Who was your favorite robot in Star Wars? I'm going BB-8. BB-8. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. It's, there's a couple of scenes in there which, you know, for a robot rolling around and making beeps and boops yeah. and sticking arms at once, there's the, the thumb up, thumbs up scene. Yeah. That's one of his best scene in the movie. That's oh, kind of like, excellent. I'm in for BB-8. You know? you know, I don't love all the um, robots in Star Wars. It's called droids. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. That's, that's some terminology you're going to get straight there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, uh, C-3PO, to me, he's a hem droid. Like, I just can't stand him. I'm sorry. I like... R2-D2 and BB-8, but, you know, I'm going to feel really bad if you have, like, a life-size replica replica of uh, C-3PO in your nerd room. No, I just got a big head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. We're going to edit that out. So my favorite uh, droid is C-3PO. <laughs> I love him a lot. Tim, what are your thoughts it's on okay. You're not having an opinion. It just has to be the right one. <laughs> 
Uh, moving on before uh, this becomes our third and final episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, best new movie. Now, this is an original idea, so we're excluding the Star Wars. We're excluding Jurassic World. Yeah, sequels and reboots, right? Yeah. So, Tim, best original movie. So, I had three movies on here that I really enjoyed this year that weren't kind of sequels or basically big tentpole movies. Mm-hmm. Um well, I guess one is Inside Out. Oh, yes. Very good choice. Straight Outta Compton. Oh, okay. And Trainwreck. Oh, now, nice. Of those three, the one that I'm giving the best new movie to is Straight Outta Compton. Nice. Um, it's kind of very different than all the stuff that we regularly talk about on, mm-hmm. the, on the podcast. But, you know, the characters in it, the story, um, I just really enjoyed it. I sat and watched it, and I was like, you know, this is a really well-made film. Um, you know, maybe all of it isn't true or whatever i don't mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. i might say but i really enjoyed it and so that's why i'm giving best new movie to straight to compton it's something you know it, it didn't have this massive budget behind it no um it just had you know good actors a good story and yeah it was one of my one of my favorite movies of of, of the new year or 2015 you know that's one of the movies i haven't seen but i've heard nothing but good things um i'm gonna say though inside out and Trainwreck were excellent films um, those were two very original, brilliant ideas. Um, I actually was lucky enough to see Inside Out in um, Los Angeles on opening night. So, you know, Disney rarely does things wrong, and they did this so right. So before the film even came out, they had an organist playing, and um, he was playing all the classic Disney songs. There's a 3D light show that came on before the movie even came out. Um, I'm actually, you know, I forgot about Inside Out, but... I'm actually going to change my pick, and I'm going to choose Inside Out. Honestly, that film was excellent. Um, Just a good family movie that anyone can enjoy. A very original idea. It's one of the best, you know, it's my favorite Pixar movie of all time, which is high praise because Pixar has been nothing but gold. And this movie, this movie blew me away. I mean, I went in with zero expectations. They didn't have a huge marketing budget behind this. or you know, there wasn't the typical Disney, like, you know hype behind it it kind of just came out and i don't even think it became number one or maybe it was number one no we talked about this before it it ran into Jurassic world that's right that's right yeah so i mean it didn't even reach number one at the box office but i mean that was an excellent film i'm going with inside out all right so now on to the comic book awards um so we're gonna give out the best comic event slash crossover um so this is probably i'm i don't know what tim put but i'm gonna guess I'm going to say a DC one, and Tim's going to say a Marvel one, which is fine. Um, but, you know, if you read one or the other, maybe give one of the other events a try. Um, I know I'm going to, whatever Tim suggests, I'm going to give it a read and uh, let him know what I think of well, it. Well, you better be willing to ante up, my friend, <laughs> because the one I have is going to cost you. <laughs> Hello, public library. I'd like to borrow a book. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'll go first. Um, so I read 99% DC, and the 1% is just a margin of error. Um, <laughs> I went with Dark Side War and Justice League. So this is an event because they released six separate mini-issues. Um, this is an epic event. Um, for all our Marvelous viewers out there, think of this as a fight between Galactus and Thanos, with the Avengers in the middle. So we have Dark Side on one corner, Anti-Monitor in the other corner, and we also have the Justice League in the middle. This is an excellent... This is everything events and comics should be. You know, throughout the years, we've kind of suffered from event fatigue where something so minor where one hero or, you know, 
one team can defeat the main threat so easily. This one, I think, you know, the Justice League are over their heads and they need to get help. So they go into the crime syndicate, which is pretty much the Justice League, but the evil versions of them and they get their help. And so it's not done yet. It's going to wrap up in 2016, but it started in 2015. So check it out. Dark Side War. Can't say enough good things about this. I mean, I probably said that line a hundred times in this episode, but this is the best of 2015. Yeah. And so, you know, this is, in my opinion, the best comic book event of 2015. All right. So for my best event or crossover, so on the Marvel side, technically, I guess there's three, but there's the Black Vortex, which is Guardians and a X-Men crossover. Oh, okay. That's um, pretty cool. There's Secret Wars, um, which is this the massive company-wide event. And then there's one on the Star Wars side called Vader Down. And I'm not going to include Vader Down in this because, um, one, I'm, I've only read one issue and it's going to be six issues long and there's still a couple issues to come out. So I'm excluding that from this. So it's between Black Vortex and Secret Wars. And I'm going with Secret Wars. And the reason I'm saying, I said to, to Sanjay here, that if you're going to read this, of course you can borrow myself, but <laughs> this thing was the largest event in years, um, oh, yeah. if ever. Um this saw the end of the majority of ongoing series. Um, and then the production of numerous kind of small mini series within kind of this grander Secret Wars main series. Um, I think at some point we should take both of these recommendations and do a full kind of episode where we kind mm-hmm. of review these in trades or whatever. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get into a lot of detail, but you know, the main book is great. The Secret Wars book yep. um, by Hickman. Awesome. Um, the only problem is it's taken forever to come out. I've <laughs> expressed my um, my issues with that in previous <laughs> podcasts. Um, but within this whole Secret Wars event itself, there was uh, a whole bunch of small mini stories, mini events almost. And what it was, the thing I really enjoyed that it took and kind of spun and and retold some of some of the older events like Civil War. Um, there's uh, a book called Thor's. Um, there's another book called Guardians of Nowhere. So it took characters you're familiar with and kind of reshaped them, remold them, gave them different motivations, put them in different situations in kind of a non-Marvel kind of canon. So they're able to play with and kill certain characters um, and kind of give characters, you know, something different to do, which was a really nice fresh take. I didn't want to like all these series, <laughs> but I liked everyone I read. Um, and so that's why I'm giving this the event of the year. But Again, the problem is it's it's come out pretty slow. So if you're going back and reading it um, as per recommendation, it might be nice to get it in some of this stuff in trades mm-hmm. um, because then you can read it in kind of one shot. That's what's detracted from it. But again, I, I, even those miniseries, um, some of them, you know, they do tie into the main series a bit, but you can read them as kind of independent stories themselves, particularly like Civil War and that. Um, it's a really cool take, retake on, um, on kind of the events of uh, Cap vs. Iron Man. The one thing I like about Civil War, because I actually, uh, or it's not Civil War, sorry, uh, Secret Wars, is I started reading a bit of that at the beginning. I had to drop it because my pull list was getting too large, but I may go back and revisit it. They do have some back issues at our comic shop, so I will probably pick it up. The one thing I really liked, though, was it didn't seem rushed. Like, it took them about, what, two years to build up to this? Yeah. So this, you know, it has that event status. You know, this wasn't just the 2015 event, okay, let's, we got to come up with an event. This mattered. And that's why I really think, you know, I agree. I think it was the best event at Marvel. I mean, I haven't read them all, but from what I've heard and just the fact that they actually took the time, planted the seeds, watered it, you know, 
they grew this event. It didn't just come out of thin air. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the barrier for entry into this event is is actually quite high. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd recommend you almost have to go and read the entire Hickman run of Avengers and New Avengers and the um, Infinity event, which was in 2013 or 14. I can't remember. But, you know, you're spanning a couple of years there building into this kind of grand event. Um, so that that is maybe something that will... You know, people that will push people away from it a bit. It's not mm-hmm. something you can jump right into, but the payoff for me, because I've been reading all that stuff all yeah. the time, has been great. I just wish they'd finish it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, for those listeners out there, maybe Tim, can you give them like a Cole's notes or a quick like thirty second, too long, didn't read um, breakdown kind of what's going on, if if at all possible. I mean, if someone who you know just wants to read the event doesn't want to go back and read two years yeah. of events, so uh, just very wish- basic. There's built into kind of Hickman's run of Avengers and New Avengers, there's these events called incursions happening, which is basically the universes are collapsing in on each other. And the Avengers, particularly the Illuminati, which composes of kind of like Stark, Reed Richards, uh, Black Panther, and a couple other guys, Doctor Strange and that, um, they're trying to figure out ways to stop this. And the only way to stop an incursion is blowing up the other. So it's, it's universes in the sense that it's... Um, different Marvel universes, so different dimensions or whatever, if you will. And so the incursion is happening at Earth, so it's basically two different Earths crashing together, and then Mm -hmm. when that happens, the whole universe explodes. So there's this constant dilemma of how do we prevent that? So the only way to prevent it is by blowing up the other Earth, and so with that comes some kind of um, moral issues, particularly with some of the characters, and, you know, is it right to kill an entire other universe to save ours? Um, And then basically Secret Wars is that final incursion event happens and Dr. Doom and Molecule Man essentially somehow are able to recompose an Earth that's made up of, you know, 30 or 40 different universes. So you're getting each land is a different universe. So you have multiple Captain Americas, multiple Iron Mans and all this, and everything's being kind of ruled by Doom. And then there's Doom is actually the Doom from the Marvel Comics universe proper before. And there's a handful of characters that have actually been transported across. Um, So that's kind of the gist of it. And then I won't kind of go into the ending, but that's kind of what's happening and what has happened and why you're getting kind of all these mini stories um, in there and why you're getting, you're seeing like there's a Cap vs. Iron Man kind of land and there's also the Cap vs. Iron Man proper. And so you're seeing all these different stories happening, but they're compositions of different universes. And, and I think that's why they're able to have um, some liberties with the characters is because they are kind of out of canon, out of, you know, they're just kind of random universes. So well, that's, that sounds that's pretty good. No, um, you know, I'm going to have to pick it up, see what Dentist Doom has up his sleeve and yeah. uh, go from there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so now we're going to go on to best ongoing title. Tim? What did you pick for this? So my best, the the series I've been enjoying the most, um, and I'm lumping two different two series together because I think they're kind of a tandem series. You benefit a lot from reading both of them. And that's the Dar- the new Darth Vader and the new Star Wars books that Marvel have been producing um, in 2015. I can't remember if they started in 2015, probably started in 2014. Doesn't matter. Um, but they're both fantastic books. They're canon, um, so they actually have stakes. They actually matter. Um, you know, and they play with, and they both focus on the original characters coming right out of A New Hope. So it's kind of a cool window. We're set in the original trilogy. We're seeing characters that these beloved characters like Vader, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, all this, and they're fantastically written. 
Um, and the reason I say you have to read them together is because eventually they lead into this six-issue crossover event that's called Vader Down, which is actually just both event contained within both of those books, with the exception of of, of, of Vader Down kind of uh, initial book. Okay. Um, but great books, you know, I highly recommend them, and they're getting my kind of best ongoing. I'm giving it kind of as a tandem award it together award here. Nice, nice. Well, you know, there's no judgment here. There's no rules. So yeah. it's our podcast. You can do what you want. So. How about you? Um, I'm going back to DC, and I'm going back to the Justice League. Now, in the DC, you know, DC Universe, you got the Justice League. You have Superman. Started off with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, um, Aquaman, The Flash, Green Lantern, Cyborg. But in 2015, they added two new members, Shazam and Lex Luthor. So, you know, that might be strange to people seeing Lex Luthor in the Justice League, but it makes sense. And Luthor rationed, you know, there's a big event coming or there's something big coming that you guys can't handle. And so he joins the Justice League. Um, the series starts off in 2015 with the Amazo virus. It's this um, virus that, you know, it takes takes over the Justice League. Everyone's affected by it. Um, Luther helps the Justice League to get rid of it, and then it leads right into the Dark Side War. So, honestly, I think this has been the best series that DC has put out in a long time. It's written by Jeff Johns. He's written the entire run, so he's written almost all, he's written all 47 issues, which is so rare nowadays to have a comic book writer stay on for that long. Really allowed him to tell the stories he wanted to tell, not be rushed. And truly, he gives the characters, you know, the depth that they deserve. You know, they are, in the DC Universe, the seven biggest, strongest heroes, the most popular heroes. So he gives them that respect. And as something that, you know, past runs of the Justice League didn't do. The Justice League has been back since the New 52 started. But this year, 2015, it was definitely my favorite book in DC Comics. Good stuff. Um, Tim, one thing we didn't talk about was a crossover event. Like, you know, we said our both uh, best opinions. We've had some pretty good crossovers at DC. I'm just going to give a brief shout-out, Batman and Ninja Turtles. I mean, that is a fan's dream to see those two on the same page. There's only been one issue, so I'm really looking forward to 2016, seeing what comes of that. Awesome. All right, so now we're going to go back to the big screen and to our movie of the year all right tim i have a sneaking suspicion we already know what your movie of the year is going to be i'm gonna throw a curveball here <laughs> but for formality reasons and we need to know who to mail the nerdsy to tim what was your 2015 movie of the year well jj abrams get up out of your seat and come up <laughs> one more time because here is the award for the nerdsy for the best film of the year, goes to Star Wars The Force Awakens. You know exactly why. Again, we'll get into a lot more depth sometime <laughs> in the future. Uh, but that's getting my best film of the year. You know, that's a solid choice. It's hard to argue with that. I kind of figured you would choose Star Wars, so I went a little bit different. But in my opinion, it was my favorite movie of the year, Mad Max Fury Road. This film blew me away. I had never seen a Mad Max movie before. Like I kind of knew bits and pieces of the story. But this has been like a love project from George Miller for a long time. He knocked it out of the park with this one. You know, it made $150 million in the U.S., but, I mean, Star Wars has made that in 
by the time you finished listening to this podcast. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't like it was a kind of a success, but not really. Um, but it was just so excellent. And the best part of this movie was there was almost no CGI. All the stunts that you see in that film were actually like live physical stunts, which is incredible. After you see that movie, it's a movie that did things that I've never seen before in a movie. You have, you know, the guy on a, I think it was like a motorbike or something, and he's driving around and he's playing guitar and he's shooting flames out of it. it was like, ridiculous. It was insane. But you know what? It worked. How many movies have we seen that had like insane stuff and it just fell flat? This movie, all the insane stuff worked. It was like Cirque du Soleil on Red Bull. Like, it was excellent. Charlize Theron, you know, I think she deserves an Oscar nod. I mean, and if she doesn't, she's getting the nerdsy for me. So for best female, I mean, that's not even an award, but you know what? She gets it. Um, Furiosa was just so intimidating and so badass in that film. Um, Tom Hardy did a great job as Mad Max as well. And to me, the villain... Morton Joe, he was terrifying. Since the first time I saw him, I was like, oh, this guy's going down. Like, I hate this guy. He's got to lose. It had high stakes. You know, you didn't know who was going to live. You didn't know who was going to die. I loved it. Can't say enough good things about it. The action was spectacular. The stunts were just insane. Like, I don't even know how they got away. That's probably, like, illegal to do some of the stuff that they did. You know, actor endangerment or something. But, man, that film excellent film check it out if you haven't already tim i mean we haven't talked about this film yet have you seen it or what are your impressions of mad max i have and you know again it's like you're saying it's a fantastic movie um the genre speaking it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse but it was something you know i like to expose myself to to different things once in a while not just Star Wars and Marvel. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was great. Like like you're saying, like, I didn't have a lot of expectations. I saw the old ones years ago, I think maybe only one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was enter- an entertaining movie, and it was well done. And like you said, the practical stunts and all that, yeah. like that's that's really cool to see. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, selling it short here, but you, if you haven't seen it, you have to experience it. You know, that's one film. I'm glad I saw it in theaters. I'm just really glad that it finally got made, and I'm hoping for a sequel. This could become a big franchise. Check it out. But that's definitely my movie of the movie of 2015. So now, you know, we kind of like to talk about comic book movies here at um, the Nerd Room. So for our final award, we thought we would do a ranking of all four comic book movies that came out in 2015. So we had. Fantastic Four, we had Avengers, we had Ant-Man, we had Kingsman. Let's start at the very bottom. Tim, I have a sneaking suspicion what it's going to be, but what was your least favorite comic book movie of 2015? Well, not not just me. I think everyone <laughs> is going to agree here. And it was Fantastic Four. Like, what? Half? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I didn't... Like, a lot of people heaped on the hate to this thing, and mm-hmm. I didn't hate it. No. I actually watched it twice. Wow. Cause I ha- I, and, and then I went back and watched Chronicle. Yeah. Because um, I, I just, like, my, I couldn't comprehend why it turned out this way. Yeah. Um, you know, looking back at Chronicle, which got Josh Trank the job, it's yeah. a good movie. Low budget, but it's yeah. a good movie. Solid movie. And, you know, I can see why they gave him the opportunity to direct Fantastic Four. Yep. Chronicle kind of had that feel a bit, you know, people getting powers, learning about them. 
et cetera, et cetera. Yep. You know, the main guy in there was very Doom-esque almost. Yeah. And looking at this Fantastic Four movie, it's... I can see some bright spots. Yeah. Particularly, I really like Michael B. Jordan in it. He was excellent, yeah. Um, the CG of a thing looked pretty cool. Like um, uh, he looked cool, but the one thing I would suggest is maybe wear some pants. Yeah, yeah. that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, and some of the other stuff, Doom was awful. Yeah, was that even Doom, or was you, that just a Doom bot? You have 50-plus years of stories, you know? Even if half of Doom stories are good and only a quarter of them are excellent, you still have yeah tons of stories to pull from. I don't know why. I hated his look. I hated how he, his portrayal. I hated it all. He looked He's, like a CPU unit or a computer chip. He looked like a beat-up C-3PO. <laughs> like, it was terrible. I oh. don't know why... They went this route with him. He is, you know, he's one of the greatest Marvel villains of all time. I think it's safe to say, in my opinion, I have him number one in terms yeah. of Marvel villains. Like, you can't get bigger than Doom. You know, my biggest hope is that this goes back and he's the Phase 4 villain. Is, is this what happens? I mean, where do we go from here? Fantastic Four is my last place as well. Um, but where does the franchise go? Is it dead? Can it be resurrected? Marvel has that magic touch. But, you know, can they resurrect this franchise? Well, they've already canceled the sequel. Like, it's yeah. gone. So, yeah. and is Fox going to take an attempt to try to reboot this again? Like, part of me feels like, just give it back to Marvel. Yeah. But, like, and I don't even care right now if they if Marvel reboots Fantastic Four right away. I don't want to see Silver Surfer and Galactus in that in the cinematic universe. That's true. In, in a Guardians realm or something. Or like the Cree. Right? Yeah, the no Cree. Oh. It's the Scrolls. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the Fantastic Four have. I think you, you throw the Scrolls and Doctor Doom into Phase or beyond Phase Three. Yeah. That's how you. That's how you make you know, Phase Four have some stakes again. Once yeah. Because at some point, I'm assuming Thanos, this whole Thanos thread is going to get removed. Yeah. You need these characters. And give it back to Marvel. Like I, I don't know what they're gonna do here. Like they can't take another stab at this. Like no, let's kind of twice they've messed this up. No, I agree. You know, you could maybe go the route, have them team up with the X Men and have a Fantastic Four versus X Men thing. I, I think why would you taint the X Men franchise? It's been doing yeah. good on its own. Don't dr- drag it through the sludge. Um, I agree. Send it back to Marvel. The only thing is now we have an established universe at Marvel. And then you're going to give the Fantastic Four, you know, they're going to have to be young people or else where have they been this whole time? Yeah. You know, so it's going to be tough. Which is something that didn't work for me in that movie. Yeah. The fact that they were like in high school, but there are 30 year old men playing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, why didn't, why weren't they in university or why, like, why weren't they, you know, young people at wherever working? Like, I yeah. don't, the decisions, like, I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. And the fact, and it also looks like, that this it was the studio came in and there's all those inserted scenes and there's mm-hmm. scenes missing from the trailers that look cool. Yeah. This thing's a mess. Oh yeah. You know, this film actually has a distinction. It's the only film I've ever seen in theaters by myself. <laughs> I actually couldn't get anyone to go with me. I went into what right after work. Um, there's actually three teenagers who weren't going to school or I think it was summertime when it came out. Um but they actually seemed to really enjoy it. Just from overhearing the conversation, you know, two to three people really liked it and you know, inside this movie is a good film dying to get out. Unfortunately, I don't know if it was the studio or the director. I don't know enough about what happened, but it fell flat. But the first half is pretty solid, but then they get their powers and then it's over. 
did you, did you, I mean, I kind of liked how they had some horror elements in it. Like when they first get their powers, they're like, you know, they're horrified. I mean, it's pretty realistic. I mean, you had Sue Storm. She only gains her power. She doesn't even go into the negative zone. Like she is the first woman of Marvel Comics and she gets her powers because some guys get drunk, go into the negative zone, and then she gets it by proximity. Like so dumb. Uh, um, you know, uh, you know, this could be like this could be the Batman and Robin moment of Fantastic Four. If we didn't have Batman and Robin, we don't have the Dark Knight. True. So, you know, if we don't have this movie, maybe we don't have the really cool Fantastic Four movie that Marvel is just itching to make. Alright, Tim. So now we're gonna go to number three. And this is where it gets tough. Because in my opinion, the remaining three were all very similar in terms of quality. Yeah. Um, what what do you have number three? A lot of people aren't gonna like this. I have Kingsman at number oh, three. Oh wow. Yeah. Number three. Yes, it's there. I don't know if this is more my attachment to mm-hmm. Marvel movies. Yep. Um Maybe I can't see through that thick veil. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad thing. But <laughs> I did really enjoy Kingsman, and I'm right yeah. with you there when you're saying that you know these three movies are quality-wise, they're all very good. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what it is about Kingsman. Why I put it below the others? It's you know the Matthew Vaughn style. I don't know if I fully always enjoy that. Yeah. Um, but it's a really good movie, and I'm, I don't want to take away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I saw it quite a while ago. I saw it right when it came out, so I'm kind of drawing a bit of a, um, a gap in, in, in what I remember. Yeah. But I did go back and rewatch the ending the other day, um, just to kind of get up on it. But it's a great movie, but it doesn't, it doesn't hold the same distinction as the other two Marvel movies do for me. I least. mean... Definitely the characters, if you're asking me which character I'd like better, Colin first character or Iron Man. Clearly, you know, Iron Man has more staying power. He's more of a, you know, he's a better character, but I, I really enjoyed Kingsman. Um, one thing that kind of seemed out of left field for me was at the very end, that very dirty joke that they just threw in there. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> I mean, throughout the whole movie, you know, you kind of have this specific tone. And then at the very end, this joke just goes to left field, and you're just like, did I hear that correctly? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that was, that was my one negative of the film. Not so much a negative. Like, I laughed at it, but I was kind of like, oh, are you serious? Like, <laughs> you know. It went that way. Yeah. I mean, they went there, um, took pictures, and came back. But, no. Um, excellent film. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Tim, you may hate me for this, but I'm going number three. I'm going Avengers Age of Ultron. Now, hear me out on this. So, I went to see it in theaters, and I saw it, and I thought, you know, this was a pretty good film. But then, I picked it up on Blu-ray, I rewatched it, and I loved it the second time. But I do have some negatives on this film. Um, First, let's talk about some of the positives. We talked about it earlier. The Hulkbuster vs. Hulk scene was my favorite fight scene in 2015. was yours as well. I mean, for it to beat the lightsaber fight scene shows for you i mean just shows how great of a fight scene this was in 2015 um them battling it out through wakanda was awesome and i really like that we got to see iron man kick ass in this movie i mean iron man 3 he's barely in a suit um but this is you know brings back the return of the kick-ass iron man hulk as well got to you know kind of hulk out and 
destroy things, and I thought that was really cool. Now I'm going to talk about some of the, my negatives of this film. So I think my biggest negative, I really liked the Ultron character, and I just thought, though, there was more potential there. And But what I mean by that was I feel like the threat wasn't big enough. In my opinion, like I wanted to see Ultron succeed a little bit more and then have the Avengers be a little bit, you know, um, kind of like in a corner and then have them like have that heroic moment where they bust out and they do it. I mean, they do kind of have it, but they get beaten not by Ultron, but by Scarlet Witch. She, you know, she does the brain thing on Hulk. She does the brain thing on Iron Man. It's kind of her who brings down the Avengers. You know, this is the Avengers. I want to see Thanos. I want to see Loki. You know, like, Ultron, I feel like his um, Ultron bots, um, they got defeated too easily, in my opinion. Like, it was cool seeing Hawkeye shoot his arrows, and it was cool seeing Hulk bust out, and it was cool seeing Iron Man kill them all, and I really enjoyed that. But I just feel like... To me, I just was left a little bit wanting a little bit more. Like, maybe it's because the Avengers 1 was just so great that, like, it's hard to top. You know, like, how do you top biggest comic book movie of all time? And to be fair, if this movie came out first and then Avengers 1 came out second, I would probably hold this one in higher regard just because it was the first one. But then, you know, as I said, I rewatched it on Blu-ray and I loved it a lot more the second time. You know, it's it's rewatchable, but I feel like you need to rewatch it because it's so dense. I mean, there's so much stuff that you miss. The yeah. first time you see it, you go... And then you watch it the second time, you're like, I totally don't even remember that. Like, And that, that's... I, you know, I'm fully on board with you there as far as this being an extremely dense movie that benefits mm-hmm. from multiple viewings. And, you know, maybe that isn't the best way to go about this. But at the same time... I like that about it. Mm-hmm. I like that when I watch it again, I'm seeing little things. We're seeing Wakanda. We're seeing, yep. you know, seeds for Ragnarok. We're seeing th- seeds for Civil War. Yeah, I like that. And one, the way I look at Avengers was, you know, the threat was Loki. Yeah, it was very localized to New York. Yeah, Avengers two, the threat was Ultron. Mm-hmm. More global. Right, right. Avengers three is now galactic. Uh, cosmic. Yeah, yeah. That's the way I'm seeing these pro- progress yeah, as far that makes as sense. the overall threat to the Avengers and to humanity or whatever. Right. Um, this sits at the top of my list. It's a true comic book movie for me. Oh, absolutely. Um, some of the stuff, some of the scenes look like they're ripped right out of the comic oh, books. Oh, yeah. We even talked about yeah. it earlier. And I love that. You know, the introduction of Vision is great. Um, I will say, though, that although this is my favorite comic book movie of the year, mm-hmm. I did have, my expectations were higher for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt myself walking out of the theater being like I really enjoyed that but I wanted it I wanted it to be more I wanted to yeah. enjoy it more mm-hmm. and that that's a feeling that you don't always like to get and maybe it's weird I've set that up there at, at the top of my of mm-hmm. but I think it's because of the multiple viewings um, I love seeing the Avengers together yeah um, I, you know and progressing the whole narrative of the Marvel Cinematic Universe you know, maybe it did suffer a bit from trying to see too many things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of like that. I kind of like the density of the movie. I think what we, we, you know, we can get a lot deeper and more detail on this. Maybe when we do, maybe we'll try to do some MCU franchise reviews. No, absolutely. Um, and we can go to a bit more detail on characterization and stuff like that. But 
you know, that that's this one sits at the top. And I, I see exactly where you're coming from. Um, so let me ask you this question. If, you know, we're talking about movies coming out the same day, and this would never happen, but say, okay, you haven't seen either movie, Avengers Age of Ultron comes out, Star Wars The Force Awakens comes out the same day. Now, I remind you, you haven't seen any, you know, trailers, you haven't seen any, any movies, and, you know, something happens where, you know, you can only see one. You know, they're showing Theater A in Calgary, Theater B in Edmonton, so you can't see both the same day. Which movie do you go to? Force Awakens. Yeah, that I think takes it, it? Yeah, I think it's just because, you know, the Marvel stuff's all relatively new, right? Mm-hmm. And particularly to me, like, like we talked about before, I've, you know, I've been heavily invested in Marvel since 2011 or whatever. Yeah. I've been invested in Star Wars my whole life. Yeah. And so that wins just by default there. Okay, well, let me ask you this then, because I know you're also a Jurassic Park guy. No. Jurassic World, The Force Awakens, same scenario. Which one do you choose? Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that movie's going to, yeah. Know, that, even with the previous one, I think yeah. I'm going to go to that first. Yeah. Um, again, Jurassic World was great, and it was great revisit mm. to the franchise mm-hmm. um particularly the number one which i hold you know it's one of my favorite movies of all time yep um but yeah force awakens would take that i just thought i'd throw it out i kind of suspected it'd be the force awakens <laughs> but you know i'm just gonna throw <laughs> it surprise, out there <laughs> okay so now our number two so for me i went back and forth i was like which one is number two which one is number one i went with kingsman and you know as we said we talked about this earlier this was an excellent film. I actually missed this. I didn't see it in theaters. It wasn't until um, it was a Black Friday sale and it was like 10 bucks on Blu-ray. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to check this out. found out it was a comic book movie earlier. Matthew Vaughn did X-Men First Class. So that kind of hyped me up. So yeah, I checked it out. Really loved it. I really loved Samuel Jackson's villain. I thought he was an excellent villain. He was funny. Um, he had a crazy scheme. But it kind of worked, and it seemed like he could succeed. In my opinion, you didn't know, like, you know, they killed off some big characters in the film, so you didn't know who was going to last until the end of the movie. And that one scene where they're in the church, and then um, the cell phone goes off, and then everyone goes crazy, and then Colin Firth has to fight his way out. Brilliant scene. It was almost hard to watch, but it was excellent. Uh, Tim, what do you have? Number two. Ant-Man. Um... So, I guess, well, we can get into it a bit too, but it's, you know, it was one of those movies that it kind of, looking at the title, mm-hmm. you're looking at the source material, um, you're looking at Marvel's track record with more obscure characters, B-C-list characters, and going into this, my expectations weren't very high. No. Um, not that I wasn't excited for it, but again, I didn't have a huge background on Ant-Man, it's kind of an obscure character. Yeah. I went in and I came out and I was I thought it was a fantastic movie. I agree. Um it kind of hit these, you know, humor beats, it hit it had great action, characterization was good, it kind of fit itself nicely into a small corner, mm-hmm. pun intended, of the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe. Um, you know, we had some cameos in that. Mm-hmm. And I came out of that and I was just very pleased with how well the movie was put together, especially with the knowledge of the fact that there was some turbulence in the production of it with uh, Edgar Wright leaving and yeah. bringing on a um, more of a comedic director kind of late in the stage. Right. Um, and so, again, it, I think they, they pulled it off, and that sits at number two for me. You know, that's my number one. That's the only comic book movie that we saw in theaters together, eh? Um, the other three, 
either I haven't seen in theaters or... Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, so that's why I have it number one, because of the great company. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, to me, you know, I saw it opening day. The audience was kind of not nearly as big as, you know, Avengers or Star Wars. Like, it was sold out, but the anticipation, the buzz wasn't quite there. I think a lot of people came in with zero expectations, and I think that honestly helped. Mm-hmm. If I came into Avengers Age of Ultron with the same expectations, that may be number one on my list, but yeah. I came in with sky-high expectations. Um, I came in with Ant-Man with zero expectations, so Ant-Man worked. To me, it's not quite as good as Guardians, but it's the same kind of movie yeah. in that it uses humor, it works well, the action's great, uh, all the jokes were spot on, Ant-Man looks great, um, and Yellow Jacket, um, you know, I think Yellow Jacket looked excellent. Um, he was kind of one-dimensional. He didn't really do anything all that menacing or, you know, uh, he wasn't really like that big threat, but he worked in the movie and the fight scenes were really cool how, you know, you go from like really small to really big. You go into like the room and like the plane, or sorry, the uh, train set was like this big like menacing thing and then it zooms out and it's just like a little That's kid's cool. toy. Yeah, that was excellent. Um, and I think, you know, it worked where the crossover with the rest of the MCU, it felt more organic. So when he goes into Avengers headquarters, of course Falcon's going to be there. And then he have like a little fight and then he runs out. And then you also had Peggy Carter at the beginning. That worked yeah, well. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and she's age different. So that was excellent. You know, I'm curious. I want to see more. I want to see where Ant-Man goes, what, what, he's, what his role is going to be in Civil War, what his role is going to be in, you know, Infinity War. I'm excited. Um, Wasp is probably going to join. I don't know if she'll join the Avengers. I assume she will. Probably, yeah. Because you can't have, like, you know, you can't have Ant-Man there with Wasp not there. I loved it. To me, it was number one. So, Tim, by default, Age of Ultron was your number one. Yep. Um, can you talk a little bit about why you ranked Age of Ultron ahead of Ant-Man? I think it's just the scale of it, you know? Yeah. Um, well, he's an ant, like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's, uh, you know, like I spoke before, that Age of Ultron, you know, I love the scale of the movie. I love that we're seeing the Avengers back together. Mm-hmm. Um, Ant-Man's, a, you know, like I said, a great movie and a nice piece of the overall kind of puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, but Age of Ultron, again, being this big event movie, it, that, that's why it just kind of, you know, I love seeing the Avengers back together. Um, Ultron I thought was a great villain mm-hmm. and then we're seeing the introduction of uh, Vision Scarlet Witch Quicksilver so it's just a much bigger movie um, yep. and I just thought it was you know for that reason and you know kind of all the, the great comic book references that we get in I think for that reason that's why I've stuck it ahead of Ant-Man do you think it works as a true sequel in that I mean can you have like a movie marathon where you're like okay well you know I can watch Iron Man Iron Man 2 Iron Man 3 Cap 1 Cap 2 can you go, okay, I'm going to watch Avengers 1 and then Avengers Age of Ultron? No, I don't think so. And I, these movies aren't structured like that. No, they're no. You know, even you couldn't get away with watching Cap 1, 2, and 3, I don't think. No. You need that infill. So you almost have to look at this as, you know, each subsequent Marvel movie is a sequel to the one previous to it. Yeah. And I think that you can't really get away from that because the way they constructed the universe it's going to be hard to just watch a trilogy. You know, some of these stand alone a bit better, and some of these don't. Um, and because of that, I think you you need that infill of the of the, of the you know um, the single series or the uh, the individual movies. Awesome. So, in terms of all time years of comic book movies being released, 
you know, we talked about it before. We're in the golden age. Um, I have 2015 as the fifth best year ever for comic book movies being released. And, you know, I think in the future it might get a little bit overshadowed by two facts. So 2014, the year previous, was a better year in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. you had three of the top ten greatest comic book movies of all time with X-Men Days of Future Past, Cap 2, and Guardians. And then 2016 is where things get crazy. You have eight comic book movies, Batman vs. Superman, Cat 3, Suicide Squad, X-Men Apocalypse, Ninja Turtles 2, Doctor Strange, Deadpool, and Gambit. So, you know, that's where the explosion's going to take place. So, you know, 20 years from now, we might look back and be like, oh, yeah, 2015 had all this stuff, which is crazy because you had Avengers, you had Solid Ant-Man, Kingsman was good. You know, those were starting up as new franchises. The only things that I think were better than 2015, 2014, as I said previously, 2008, we had The Dark Knight, we had Iron Man, Incredible Hulk was pretty solid, and Punisher Warzone. This is not in any order. 2012, I had Dark Knight Rises, The First Avengers, Amazing Spider-Man, and Ghost Rider. So four, you know, three pretty solid movies, one, eh. And then 2013, I put ahead of it with Thor The Dark World, Kick-Ass 2, The Wolverine sequel, Man of Steel, and Iron Man 3. So I think, you know, right now I have it fifth best comic book year ever. Probably going to slide into sixth place after 2016. But right now I have it at number five. Tim, where would you rank 2015 in a historical context? You know, when a million years from now, aliens come and then they're trying to rank all the comic book movies for some reason from the 2000s. <laughs> Let's just come back and listen to this and then we get it. Um, I'd probably put it a bit higher because I'm just looking at kind of the list here and I'm looking at the, the other years that we've mentioned and I agree 2012 is up there, 2008 is up there. Mm-hmm. But looking at some of this, you know, the average is about two good comic book movies a year. Yep, yep. And that's what we got or maybe even more. We maybe got three good comic book movies. I think we got three good comic book movies. In 2014, we also got three good, solid comic book movies. Mm -hmm. So what I'm looking at, um, just in a pure number sense, you know, we're probably looking better than some of the other years. Yeah. But when we're looking at overall quality of movie, Mm -hmm. like we're talking a year where we had Dark Knight and Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, The other year we had Dark Knight Rises and Avengers. Um, and then last year, like you said, Future Pass, Captain Guardians. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to sit in the middle there somewhere, I think. Yeah. I don't know if it'll get forgotten, but it's definitely going to, because, you know, coming off the back end of this is 2016. Yeah. This is going to be the year where people are like, holy moly, like we got, yeah. there's a ton of movies and hopefully the quality is there. Like I'm yeah. looking at the quality, like Beaver's S, Cap 3, Suicide Squad, X, like, like these, like it's going to be a really great year and yeah. I can't wait to talk about it next week. No, I agree. 2016 is shaping up to be an excellent year. Before we close out, we normally have our fishbowl, but I think we're running a little bit yeah. a little bit behind this time. Just want to say, make sure you check us out on Twitter. It's at 1912podcasting, and that's 1912podcasting. Or please feel free to email us at 1912entertainment at gmail.com. Now that's 1912entertainment at gmail.com. We will respond to any of your questions that you do have, so please don't be shy. Send us your questions. And one last thing, I just want to say, um, if you're into sports or you want to check out a great hockey podcast, check out the Delayed Offside 
It's out on SoundCloud. Um, you have host Adam and Baron. They talk about hockey. They add a lot of humor to it. They talk everything around the NHL. I haven't seen if they've done a World Junior episode, but maybe they'll do one. Um, check it out. It's one of the better hockey podcasts out there. Can't say enough good things. Tim, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Yeah, you can find me over at the Nerd RM. Um, over at Twitter, and then the same thing for Gmail. So yeah, just fire questions. Uh, you know, we're looking for any any sort of dialogue we can have with people out there that are enjoying the show. Yeah, and you know, send us um, if there's a a word you disagree with, let us know. Um, one thing I'm gonna post on Twitter: um, let us know whose top four comic book movie list do you agree with more. Do you agree with my list or do you agree with Tim's list? So that's it. That's all we have for you today. For 1912 Entertainment and for the Nerd Room, this is Sanjay. This is Tim. We're signing off.